Hello, I'm Liv Bolton and welcome back to The Outdoors Fix, a podcast to inspire you to make adventures outdoors a bigger part of your life. This mini-series of The Outdoors Fix is produced in association with outdoor footwear brand Merrill. My guest in this episode is Preet Chandy. Preet is an officer and physiotherapist in the British Army. She's also a Nordic skier and endurance runner and she's preparing for the biggest trip of her life in November, a solo expedition to the South Pole. She'll be on skis, pulling her kit on a sled for over six weeks and traveling 700 miles on her own. While her training for the Antarctica mission recently has included pulling tires around London parks, it's also taken her to Norway, Iceland and Greenland. But Preet's not a professional adventurer. She had little expedition experience until a couple of years ago, and she fits her adventures around her job in the army. She's determined to inspire people to push their boundaries, particularly women from diverse backgrounds, by showing how the outdoors can help achieve big dreams. I hope you enjoy the podcast, and don't forget to listen out for Preet's tips and advice for organising an expedition, and her favourite hiking spots in the UK, as well as the sounds of nature at the end of the podcast. Due to the pandemic restrictions, I spoke to Preet via video call. I was in my flat in London, and she was in her army barracks just a few miles down the road. So here's Preet. Preet, hello. Hello. Hi, thank you so much for coming on the Outdoors Fix podcast. It's brilliant to have you on. So Preet, you are preparing for a solo, unsupported trek to the South Pole in November. It's 45 days and 700 miles, and you'll be on skis pulling a pulp. Where did that idea for the trek come from? Because you haven't done polar expeditions before, have you? No, I haven't. And um, for a long time, I just, I wanted to do something big, something, you know, that really inspires people. And I've been told, for years that I wouldn't be able to achieve certain things that I wanted and this has always made me want them more. So in terms of where the idea came from, it was just something so far out of my comfort zone, something that I didn't know anything about as well. Uh, Like you said, I didn't have any polar experience whatsoever. I had done um, mainly endurance events in the heat, to be honest, um, races like Marathon de Sables and um, some endurance events uh, when I was on tour with the army in South Sudan as well. So my boss had mentioned Antarctica to me a few years ago and when he mentioned it to be honest I didn't really think much more about it it was only after I'd done Marathon de Sables and I remember reading about that race years ago thinking wow that sounds like something so far out of my comfort zone you know that sounds impossible and once I'd done it I was like that's not impossible anymore you know Mm -hmm. actually I feel like I can do more now what feels like it's way you know a lot further out of my comfort zone and that's when Antarctica came back to me and I was like well that's something I thought that you know sounds not only impossible but I just didn't know much about it I didn't know what kind of expeditions had been done obviously I'd heard of you know polar explorers such as Shackleton but I hadn't read many of the books and you know I didn't know what what kind of my options were out there and that's what drew me to it that's what gave me the idea I was like it's something 
you know, so it, that seems so far out of your reach, but everybody starts somewhere. So this is me, you know, what feels like starting at the beginning on, uh, on Google <laughs> and then doing a lot of research um, to find out and doing a lot of reading to find out what kind of things I could do out there. And I'm so glad that, um, yeah, that's where I started. So this is, this is going to be a huge challenge. You are obviously going to be dragging all your equipment on your sled because it's a solo self-supported trek. How much will you be dragging? I'll be dragging around 70 kilos, uh, which is more, oh, than, wow. <laughs> more than I weigh. <laughs> oh my goodness. And, and, and how cold will it be? So temperatures can get up to kind of minus 45, minus 50 with wind chill. So um, that will be a challenge. Um, I went to Greenland earlier this year as well and experienced some of those conditions, which was um, difficult, but really good training. I bet. And I, and I want to come on to talk to that in a second. Just, just on the isolation as well with the South Pole, because you're going to be on your own for 45 days. How are you preparing yourself for that? So really good question. It's, you know, how often are we completely on our own? I've done lots of different challenges where I'm with people and it helps because it helps motivate you, you know, when you're on your own, that's so different. So I'm starting to just do a lot more, um, I say hiking on my own as I can, obviously with COVID at the moment. Um, and a lot of the time I just remind myself why I'm there. I find listening to podcasts is actually really helpful. So, uh, you know, if you're, uh, if you're out training, uh, please listen to this podcast. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I think also it's just really important to be in the right headspace as well. So um, I've started doing a lot more yoga as well, just to, just to prepare me for that. And if I'm feeling kind of low or I've had a difficult day, how to just work past that. And it kind of brings me back to my tennis days, actually. Like if I just played a bad point or, you know, a bad game, just basically to leave that behind and move on to the next point or the next game, because actually focusing on that is not going to help. And, you know, like I said, you need to be mentally in that right headspace when you do these things. Oh, gosh. So lots. You're going to have to have a whole library of audiobooks, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> the, the Antarctic mission. Yeah, exactly. Right. I think we spoke about previously how your niece has got sort of quite a bit to do with why you want to do big challenges like this. Oh, 100%. I think so. I, my niece is nine now and uh, me and my niece do our little adventures together. So uh, nobody else is invited. It's just me and her. Started when she was about two and we would go um, camping just in the back, back garden. Me and her, we'd go horse riding or skiing at the snow dome or quad biking. And I think a lot of people grow up with boundaries and barriers you know they're not there instantly when we're born and I really want her to grow up knowing that nothing is impossible uh, which is why I do these these little adventures with her and hopefully she sees me you know pushing my boundaries and then that becomes the norm for her um, which is what I really want so my um my, my niece's name is Simran so um my pork that I'll be pulling with me for about 45 days is going to be called Simran as well uh, which um, she's pretty excited about I'll get her name written on that so I um yeah I, I just really want to inspire my niece really I bet I bet your niece is loving that the polk is named after that that's so sweet <laughs> yeah she she is I gave her options funny first thing I said to her uh, Simran what should I call my polk and the first thing she said was her dog's name is Rocky so, so she said you should call it Rocky and I was like right okay are there any other names you know <laughs> and then she said her name I was like well let's go with your name <laughs> 
<laughs> Fabulous. And you've also spoken about how you want other women like you as well to be inspired to do big adventures that perhaps they thought were sort of not possible for them. You know, I think representation is really important. You don't see many Asian women doing these kind of expeditions. And I really want people to see me and think, wow, you know, I could definitely do that too. Even people, uh, when people see an Asian female myself in uniform, you know, they're still amazed and they're like, wow, we didn't see that as a, you know, potential career choice. And I really want them to see it as, as a potential career choice or just anything really, you know, just so that it doesn't really matter what it is you want to do or what you want to achieve, um, you can do it. So I would love to come back to Antarctica in a minute, but I would love to explore where this love of adventure and the outdoors has come from. You had a very sporty background when you were younger. I did indeed. So I played tennis full time when I was younger. I um, moved away from home when I was 14. So my family always lived in, uh, in Derby, went to Sutton Tennis Academy where I um, did GCSEs part time. So I only came out with a few GCSEs and then I moved to Czech Republic to play full time when I was 16. And yeah, I was basically training and playing tennis full time, traveling to tournaments around Eastern Europe on my own, which uh, was definitely an experience. I became quite independent at a young age. And yes, I definitely obviously had that sporting background, but I think in terms of outdoor adventures, that only really grew when I came back to England and joined the Army Reserves, which is the first time um, that I'd ever been camping, which, which was quite an experience, <laughs> the first time to do it, um, do it with the Army. But then I went camping after that as well and realised there's lots of different ways to go camping. <laughs> What was it about the outdoors when you're in the army reserves that really kind of drew you to it? I just, just that sense of adventure. So, you know, when I started um, in the army reserves and we were doing, you know, some outdoor things, I was 19. I, I wasn't, you know, there with my um, map and compass at the start. I didn't know how to do any of those things. So I learned a lot of skills like that as well, which was great. And just, oh, just being outdoors just gives you a bit of sense of freedom, I feel, to be honest. Um, and that was what it was at the start for me. And that kind of grew more and more. I became more confident how to kind of navigate across different terrains. And then my adventure started to get a bit bigger and bigger, not just in the army, but out of the army as well. And I feel like they went hand in hand. So, you know, I would be working in the NHS or while I was a student, I would go on a weekend uh, with the army reserves and, you know, be living in the field. And I felt that gave me quite a, um, it, was, it was really rewarding actually. I felt like I'd done something with my weekends and then go back to my, um, my day job during the week. And then I started running a bit more and, I did my first half marathon, then I was like, oh, well, you know, that they're feeling okay, I'll do a marathon, um, that felt okay, so then I did an ultramarathon, and <laughs> the first ultramarathon I entered was this 50-mile ultramarathon in the Peak District, and wow. um, it was overnight, and it was very hilly, um, <laughs> but I, I, I entered thinking, yeah, why not, you know? Um, I had a big bag full of like sandwiches and, and drinks as I were going on a picnic. A lot of the other people had, you know, uh, very small bags and a lot more prepared than I was, but um, went for it and it was hard. I was one of the last people that came in, but it was 
it was brilliant at the same time, you know, that just rush I got from it was just incredible. And I was like, wow, well, I've done an ultra marathon now, you know, which when I thought about that before, it just sounded, uh, again, that word impossible. Um, and then I was like, well, actually, now that I've done that, I can do more and more. And like I said, they just came hand in hand. I was doing more in the army reserves. You know, I, I joined as a, as a private and then promoted to Lance Corporal. And then I kept doing more. And then I commissioned as an officer when I um, completed my degree as a physio a physiotherapist and then I again wanted to do I realized I wanted to do more full-time I was using all of my annual leave basically from my NHS job to do stuff with the army reserves and then I, I thought about it and realized I wanted to do this full-time I wanted to join the regulars um, so went through that process as well so as I've gotten older and as you know um, time's gone on I've just all these adventures have grown you know more and more and obviously now I'm coming to the the biggest adventure that I've ever planned and it's it's just important to remember that every, everybody starts somewhere you know this wasn't just something that came out of the blue I started just doing half marathons or even before that you know just a little cross country like three milers and they've grown and grown and grown. Preet, how does the outdoors make you feel? Does it help you with your mental well-being, do you think? Definitely. Yeah, it definitely does. You know, even now on days where I'm doing my, my master's work and it's just constant, you're looking at screens all day doing research um, and I'm working with a, a brilliant coach, um, John Fern, who sends me um, my weekly programme and it's great. All I have to do is look at that and then get outside. So and, and do my training. And even on days that I don't want to do it, I always feel better for having gone outside um, and trained. And, you know, even on my rest day, just having a walk outside, just getting that fresh air, just makes me feel better. And, um, you know, like I said, sometimes I'll just listen to a podcast, but um, occasionally I just won't listen to anything and just, you know, just basically I'm in my own head um, and, just kind of like tuning into my breathing as I'm walking and I really enjoy that. So I definitely do think it helps with, um, with mental health for myself anyway. So you joined the army full-time in your mid-twenties and with your army career, you've had some incredible postings in South Sudan, Nepal and Kenya. How has that sort of helped your love of the outdoors? Yes, yeah, definitely. So like you said, I um, Kenya was um, a great job that I got. So I had just quit my job in the NHS and um, the I um, hadn't applied yet to join the regular army. So I was really nervous about taking that risk. I had a um, band six musculoskeletal rotational job, which was basically the job that I'd wanted. You know, it was a good role and I just got it. I was a month in and I handed my notice in and I was so nervous. I was leaving this, you know, stability, like, yeah, stable life that basically I'd, um, I had. Then like a few weeks later, the opportunity came for me as an army reservist to go to Kenya as the physio, um, which was just perfect. The timing could not have been better. I went for six months and while I was out there, I did a mountain bike race. Now, I am not um, great on a bike. I learned to ride quite late and, and me and my friend were basically at the back, but it was just great. I loved, you know, I loved it. It was amazing. And also while I was out there, I um, went up Mount Kenya with some um, 
some friends um, over the weekend that we had free and I did a, a half marathon in Kenya. Um, so yeah, I think that was probably one of the, the first uh, more mountaineering stuff I did actually when I went to Mount Kenya. And then when I was in Nepal, did quite a lot of trekking there as well again. And then after we had finished work, I stayed, um, took about uh, a few days annual leave and went trekking around uh, Annapurna Base Camp, which was um, inc- Wonderful. Yeah, incredible. And, and talking about endurance, and you talked a little bit about it earlier, a couple of years ago, you completed the Marathon de Sable, which is a six-day ultra-marathon over 150 miles in the Sahara Desert. Incredible. Somebody gave me a book, a secret Santa gift it was, and it said, the world's most impossible challenges. And that's the first time I read about Marathon de Sables. And like you said, at the time, it seemed impossible. And it's obviously always been there in the back of my mind. And eventually I was like, well, I'm just going to enter, you know, why not? I I can do this. You know, if other people can do it, then I can definitely do it. Even though I was nowhere near as prepared as I uh, was supposed to be, you know, as I planned to be, I still knew that I could do it. I, you know, I thought to myself, even if I have to crawl, I I will definitely do it. I think um, it's, it's six days and I've got this basically. I had a great tent full of people, uh, which was great for morale at the end of the evening. Um, so I did it on my own, but you know, you meet so many amazing people out there and listening to people's stories is so inspirational as well. On one of the days uh, when I was hanging out a bit, as you can imagine, it was a little bit hot. Um, the, the elite runners were starting about an hour or two after us. Um, one of the elite runners saw me and stopped and we were obviously near a well and he, he didn't speak much English and he, he kept saying Ale Ale and he, he linked my arm kind of you know jogged me over to the well and and was putting his hands in the water and dabbing them on me and then he like I know and then he ran with me just for a few minutes and oh I tell you what that just put a smile on my face for the rest of the time I was like just so kind you know and it just yeah he didn't know me at all he just obviously saw me just kind of you know obviously hanging (laughs) hanging out on that day uh on the long day and uh, just came over to help me so uh so that was brilliant i i love the the different types of people you meet when you do adventures like this where does this obvious mental resilience and like belief in yourself and determination where do you think that comes from Ah, that's a good question. Um, I think, you know, since I was um, younger, I have always done things that weren't maybe the norm. Or if anybody told me I couldn't do it, I was like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Um, So, you know, even going back to me wanting to do my degree in physio, uh, you know, I was I was told that you you won't be able to do it. I didn't didn't have A-levels at the time. Um, And that's still one of my biggest achievements, to be honest. I came back to England. um, I got a job at Burger King. I volunteered at the local hospital, joined the army reserves. Um, was doing my access course to get onto the degree and, and you know I actually got on which which was amazing for me and then I I think I realized more and more that I know myself more than anybody else does and you know it doesn't and it's still scary but it doesn't matter what other people say if I want to do something I'm going to do it. So in terms of the training the preparation then for Antarctica you have been to Iceland, Norway and Greenland as part of the training what have you been doing on those trips to, tr- to try and prepare you for Antarctica? So when I uh, went to Iceland, I was actually looking at um, 
like I'd looked online for Antarctic expeditions and one of them one of the questions was like have you ever been on a glacier and I was like god I haven't you know where could I go so I looked at Iceland booked the trip a few days before as you can tell I'm quite impulsive um and um uh, rented out a car, slept in a car for a few days as I was travelling along Iceland and booked to go on a glacier and um, just to get used to being on a glacier wearing crampons and, and I did some ice climbing out there as well for the first time. Um, so that was my first experience and after that as I started to learn a bit more Norway I went on this polar training course and there we learned um, basically it brought me to a good baseline so learned about the pork that we'll be pulling the logistics of it all the kind of food that you would um, eat the calorie intake uh, about uh, medical issues that might happen while you're there and uh, how to navigate as well so we did a week of kind of classroom based things uh, with some kind of outdoor trips and then a five day expedition at the end of that to actually get used to being out there and into that routine of skiing for kind of, um, you know, um, eight plus hours a day and navigating and then setting up the tent, melting snow to have your dinner, etc. Um, so it was really good just to get used to doing that and experience all of that. Um, and then when I came back, I was dragging my tyre a lot more, which is what is the easiest way to simulate, basically, um, pulling a sled and pulling that pork. The tyre is not called Simran, uh, by the way. <laughs> don't have a name for the tyre. And, um, and then Greenland, I knew was always going to be a big trip. And that was you know, not a tr- that was not a, a course. This was actually an expedition uh, that I wanted to go on because I knew that Greenland had challenging conditions in the fall and I really wanted to uh, practice being in those conditions um, and, you know, really prepare myself for Antarctica, basically. Uh, logistically, was very difficult getting there uh, with COVID, um, but we, um, we got there in the end um, after a week of uh, being in quarantine and doing the COVID retests and a few different flights, we got onto the ice and we were on the ice, myself and my guide um, were on the ice for 27 days and experienced a lot of different conditions. So from rain to whiteouts to snow. So it was quite challenging. Um, but, you know, I was actually doing the stuff there that I would be doing in Antarctica. So again, you know, pulling out a sled um, for kind of you know, nine plus hours a day, setting up the tent, um, you know, um, using the, the sat phone in the evenings to like uh, check in and um, get weather updates for the next day, um, just having our food, doing the blog in the evening and just just getting into that routine of what I'll actually be doing in Antarctica. So that was a um, really good experience. Three amazing trips to prepare for that. Uh, incredible. If things go wrong, in, I mean, God forbid it doesn't, but if things go wrong in Antarctica, do you have a satellite phone? What other means do you have for, for getting back safely? Yes, so Antarctic Logistics Expeditions are a brilliant logistical company who look after basically the logistical side of it. So every 24 hours, I will check in with them um, with my sat phone. So, you know, they are brilliant at that. And if I don't check in, then they will kind of uh, come and look for me based on my last GPS location. But it's, it's very well set up. So, you know, there won't be a time that 
that I'm somewhere they can't get to. Um, I'll always be in a spot that they can come and get me if needed, basically. But, you know, even when I get to Antarctica, my kit will be checked, you know, um, to make sure that I have, my comms are all good, etc. Um, mm-hmm. And even before I go, I send them all the experience that I've done. They then decide based on my experience if that's enough for me to do the trip in the first place. So um, luckily I got approval um, a, a few weeks ago. So I, I know that as long as I get the funding, I'm definitely going. But yeah, it's really important to, to make sure you have that communication. And, you know, in Greenland, we had that as well. Um, <laughs> in Greenland, we, we faced quite a few uh, days of storms towards the end and actually did have to get extracted by, by a heli. Um, helicopter but we did have the the sat phones to kind of have those comms with people so to make sure that we could get out. So a lot of people obviously they want they would love their lives to be more adventurous and more outdoorsy and sometimes it's quite hard to find the time but you use your annual leave for adventures is that how you fit it around your full-time job with the army? Uh, yes, yeah, a lot of the time. So uh, when I was in the reserves, I would um, use a lot of my annual leave in the NHS to do army stuff. Um, and now it's great that I can get a mixture. So within the army, I do adventurous stuff as well. Um, and then anything additional I will want to do, I'll use my annual leave. So when I did my polar training course, I, I took annual leave. When I decided I wanted to go to Greenland, um, I did that over summer leave. So you know, if you really want to do something, you will kind of, you know, basically do anything you can to get there. And I think because this expedition means so much to me, I, you know, would happily use every single bit of my annual leave to to get there, basically. Going back to your you know, big decision to go to Antarctica and this fantastic expedition, is it very expensive? How do you finance it? In terms of cost, yes, um, it's not cheap. And I, for Greenland, I used all of my savings and then it took me about six months to pay it off. Um, So that wasn't cheap. However, I also knew that it would be a trip of a lifetime. And also I've been emailing probably for the last year really emailing so many companies um to try and get people on board and it's difficult at the start because you know if you, especially myself and an unknown really you know asking people to back me for this expedition and uh, i would be going through the inquiry pages of you know hundreds of companies and uh, a lot don't get back to you some say no and then i had the first company say yes a few months ago and oh my god it just I was so happy. I was like, this is it. You know, this, this step here puts me in the right direction. And then after that, you know, a few more companies have come on board, which is just incredible. So it can take a while, to be honest, to get there. But don't let that, don't, you know, let that kind of get you down. It takes a while for everybody. Um, it really does. And, and different grants as well that you can apply for. Um, and t- talking of grants, um, I'm also going to be starting um, a grant as of next year for people that want to do unique, uh, so for females that want to do unique challenges. Um, so my GoFundMe page, 50% uh, will be towards my expedition and up to 50% will be going towards this grant, which is um, one of the things I'm really excited about, actually. And, you know, just kind of hopefully works towards that, that step in me saying wanting to inspire people. So for your trip to Antarctica then, Preet, what is the biggest thing that you're looking forward to? 
Oh, what's the biggest thing I'm looking forward to? I think just being out there, you know, so people say it's just, it's absolutely magical in Antarctica. So I think just having the kind of opportunity and the privilege to experience that is just going to be something else. And to be, you know, obviously I'm not on the, the continent on my own, but when I'm doing the solo expedition, I'm traveling, I, it's unlikely that I'll be seeing anybody else day to day. And I think it's just really important. And I'll try and remember just to take that in every day that, you know, I'm so lucky to, to be here and, and have this opportunity. Obviously, it's incredibly exciting that it's happening in November. What are you hoping to get out of the South Pole trek in the end when you finished it? I think on a personal level, I'm just so excited to go to Antarctica. It's not really somewhere that I thought I would ever go, never mind do a solo unsupported expedition uh, there as well. And what's exciting, so less than 10 women have have ever done anything solo unsupported on this continent so you know I'm joining a quite a small number of women uh, which is really exciting um, I'll also be the first Asian woman to do anything solo in Antarctica so I really hope that that number grows um, in, and people see that and think this is definitely something that is achievable um, and you know if anyone wants to come and speak to me about it please do and when I get back I'll be talking to schools as well um, about my journey and the process I went through and I think remembering from when I was back at school you know if I had somebody come and speak to me about their experiences I always found that really interesting you know and um, and then would look into it more uh, about oh well this this sounds like it could be something that's possible same to when I joined the army reserves it was because I saw an advert and somebody in the city centre and then went to speak to them about it um, and then I also think that this is going to be a stepping stone for me I will more than likely go back to Antarctica and do an even bigger expedition and like I said the more you do the more you realize you're capable of so I can't see myself stopping anytime soon. Who are the three people who have inspired your outdoors adventures? So I think it would be really easy for me to say names of amazing polar explorers um, or adventurers. And yes, they're incredible, but I didn't really grow up learning about them. Um, so it's the people in my life that I'm close to that have inspired me to be where I am today. So the first person who um, you've heard of before um, is my niece. Um, so I, I said this to my sister-in-law the other day and she said to me, you inspire her. And I said, yeah, but she inspires me too. You know, we have these little adventures, just me and her. We're doing these various things. And, you know, like I said, when we're young, we don't automatically have these barriers and boundaries. And I just want her to grow up believing that nothing is impossible. And hopefully she sees me pushing my limits and, and she'll see that as the norm. Um, so, she, you know, when I do these things, I, I definitely think she's one of the people that inspires me because I think about how she'll see it growing up. How about your second person? So my second person is my mum. Um, so my mum had an arranged marriage when she was 17 
And she always used to tell me that she wanted me to have opportunities that she didn't have growing up. And some of my favorite childhood memories are just us sleeping downstairs together, um, just talking for hours on end. Um, I don't think either one of us thought I'd end up here. But again, I think you're capable of anything when you put your mind to it. And, you know, my mum's not hugely outdoors at all. It's only recently um, she started um, doing more walks and just local walks. Um, so I'm really looking forward to heading back, seeing her and, and taking her for some walks in the Peak District as well. But I think, you know, again, having the opportunities that she didn't have um, really inspires me to keep going and reminds me that I'm lucky to have these opportunities. And how about your third person then? Uh, my third person is my granddad. Um, so my granddad moved to England uh, when I was born from India and he raised me. Um, so he was already in his 80s when I was little and uh, he'd walk me to school um, every day, which is just opposite the house. Um, always asked me if I had uh, enough money every time I left the house. Um, he was uh, one of the kindest people I've ever known. And I'm so lucky to have had him in my life for you know, a really big chunk of time. I know these probably aren't the typical people that um, people say when they inspire them, you know, they weren't hugely outdoors, but my mum and my granddad didn't have these kind of opportunities mm. and it's something so out of the norm for me to do and so unexpected, but hopefully this type of things becomes a possibility and, you know, a more normal thing for my niece to do. So Preet, tips then for people who are interested in doing a big expedition like yours? Okay, so start doing some reading, you know, read books on the subject, um, look online, follow people on social media, on Instagram. Um, I found all of that was really helpful to know where to start. And also don't wait. So I, I waited. I um, had uh, Lewis Rudd, who's a polar explorer. I had his number for months and I didn't call him for ages oh, because yeah. I felt, oh, I haven't done anything yet. What I want to do sounds crazy. And, and he's my expedition manager now and I'm so glad you know I finally did contact him and he was lovely and he didn't laugh my idea uh, laugh at my idea but just yeah. you know just start it, you know it, it, yeah people aren't gonna laugh at you and you know even if they do you know like I said you know don't worry about those people everybody starts somewhere don't wait uh, whatever your idea is you know put it out there um, yeah just start go for it and how about your favourite places in the UK to kind of have outdoors adventures? Oh, so favourite place in the UK? Um, a few different places. So um, I was based in Blandford uh, with the army for a little while. So I would go to around Lulworth Cove um, quite Ooh. often and, um, you know, do some walks uh, around, along the southwest coast, which you know is absolutely stunning first time I went there I didn't feel like I was in England <laughs> yeah. yeah it's absolutely stunning and then um the Peak District because it's close to home um so um I took my uh, little sister recently at mom tour um and you know it's just something about um being close to home I think that's lovely and, and there's so many different places in the Peak District you can go um and you know I went to Dovedale a few times when I was um when I was a kid as well so I think just holds um nice dear memories for me. 
Oh, wonderful. And a, a fantastic sort of UK adventure. Would you have any recommendations? Um, yeah, so there are loads of different things um, UK. So um, one of the things that is on my to-do list is Hadrian's Wall. Um, so I'm hoping to to do that maybe potentially this summer. Um, and, you know, even if you don't want to do something that's, you know, supposedly um, in the you know, that, that somebody else has done before, even if it's walking from your town or your city to the next one along um, and carrying a tent in your backpack and, you know, hot chocolate, some freeze-dried food and, um, and a stove and off you go. <laughs> It's been so lovely to chat to you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And um, I'm so excited for you for you know your upcoming expedition to Antarctica in November. Really good luck. Uh, you, you know, obviously you've got a lot of training to go and I just hope that COVID kind of doesn't put any barriers in the way. But um, it's been really fabulous to talk to you and hear about how you're sort of trying to break the mould and inspire others to, to get out there and, and fulfil their you know adventures and, and dreams as well. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I get really excited when I'm talking about it. So, so it's great. No, I, I've really enjoyed this. Thank you so much, Liv. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Preet's episode. You can see photos of Preet's adventures on the Outdoors Fix website or on Instagram at The Outdoors Fix. You'll also find her on Instagram at Polar Preet. If you want to make the outdoors a bigger part of your life, there are lots of other episodes with guests to get inspiration from. People like Susanna Cruikshank, who moved from Coventry to the Lake District and became a wild swimming guide. Just have a browse through the dozens of other episodes. And if you like the Outdoors Fix podcast, it would be brilliant if you could rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and if you could tell your friends and family about it to help spread the word. Now, it's that time to take a short moment to relax and listen to some sounds of nature. This episode of The Outdoors Fix was supported by outdoor footwear brand Merrill. Merrill is launching a year-long campaign called Hashtag Step Further to encourage people from all walks of life to get outdoors on a micro-adventure to experience the benefits for both their physical and mental health.